You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Those who know me now will be surprised to learn that I was a great talker as a child. We have a home movie taken when I was two years old, the old-fashioned kind with no soundtrack, and by now the colors have bled out, a white sky, my red sneakers, a ghostly pink, but you can still see how much I used to talk. I'm doing a bit of landscaping, picking up one stone at a time from our gravel driveway, carrying it to a large tin wash tub, dropping it in, and going back for the next. I'm working hard, but showily, I widen my eyes like a silent film star. I hold up a clear piece of quartz to be admired, put it in my mouth, stuff it into one cheek. My mother appears and removes it. She steps back then, out of the frame, but I'm speaking emphatically now, you can see this in my gestures, and she returns, drops the stone into the tub. The whole thing lasts about five minutes, and I never stop talking. A few years later, Mom read us that old fairy tale in which one sister, the older, speaks in toads and snakes, and the other, the younger, in flowers and jewels. And this is the image it conjured for me, this scene from this movie, where my mother puts her hand into my mouth and pulls out a diamond. I was toe-headed back then, prettier as a child than I've turned out, and dolled up for the camera. My flyaway bangs are pasted down with water and held on one side by a rhinestone barrette shaped like a bow. Whenever I turn my head, the barrette blinks in the sunlight. My little hand sweeps over my tub of rocks. All this I could be saying. All this will be yours someday. Or something else entirely. The point of the movie isn't the words themselves. What my parents valued was their extravagant abundance, their inexhaustible flow. Still, there were occasions on which I had to be stopped. Karen Joy Fowler is the author of the Jane Austen Book Club, Wit's End, Sister Noon, Sarah Canary, The Sweetheart Season, the short story collections What I Didn't See, Black, Glass, and Artificial Things. Her new novel is We Are All Completely Beside Ourselves. Thank you for joining me, Carol. Thank you, Rick. Karen, this is such an interesting book because we've med- read many science fiction novels that posit that there are alien intelligences and human intelligence have to cope with those alien intelligences. But we've not read a novel where we confront the alien intelligences that live on this earth. I actually had that very explicitly in mind at several points dur- during the book. I thought... I thought how often when um, science fiction writers create aliens, they turn to insects or, you know, something, uh, use as a model some of the kinds of intelligence that are on the world, in the world around us, but, um, uh, and yet surpassingly strange. Uh, the more we learn about them, the more strange they often become. And... Um, we have, uh, you know, as I was writing the book, in the in the years it took me to write the book, 
I began to follow the research I could find online on animal cognition and was just, um, first of all, impressed with what the findings are, but also impressed at the speed with which uh, the things we think we know about animal cognition are changing and being called into question and um, just seems, you know, in some ways uh, so odd that it has taken us so long to be as interested as um, it seems to me we all ought to be in how the minds, uh, the rest of the minds in the world around us work. Well, this is such a fascinating story of a family, and uh, th- it seems like an average family. We we meet the the cooks and you know, mother and father. There's a brother Lowell. There's Rosemary who tells the story, and uh, her sister Fern, and everything seems pretty normal, but we start to get some intimations that it's not all what we expect to be. So I'd like you to talk about deciding to tell the story the way you told the story, how you found this story. The prologue that I read from really was kind of, uh, as I got to the end of the prologue, the book fell into place structurally in that same way, so that that as you go on to chapter one, you really are starting very much in the middle of the story and the things that you really need to know in order to um, fully understand the story uh, are in the beginning of the story so you don't learn those things for quite a while and I had a number of reasons for wanting to do that I thought Um, but most importantly just that it seemed appropriate to my character that Rosemary is talking about some things that she has tried not to think about and she has tried not to talk about and she really needs to ease her way into them and she also needs not to be immediately dismissed which I feel she she feels I in fact I know how she feels since I made her up I don't have to guess she feels that starting at the beginning would be would prejudice people in a way that she's dealt with this novel is a novel about emotion, I think. At its core, it's about the idea of what emotions are and how they can exist separately from what we conceive of as intelligence. And I think that the way that you uh, structure the novel and the way that we talk about this is really interesting. You know, as humans, we always, the two are inexorably intertwined, so it seems. Yes. My father was a psychologist and worked particularly with rats um, on learning. So, you know, rats in mazes, basically. And he and I had a quarrel that began when I was about six years old. And in many ways, this book is my last salvo in that quarrel now that he's dead and can't have the last word, which he did so much like to have, on the issue of whether animals could think or not. That, uh, you know, he, in his very careful scientific way, would not agree that they could think. Um, as he, he wanted me to be very precise about what the word think might mean and h- how much it was inextricably tied into language. Uh, you know, he just wanted me to be very careful. I did not wish to be very careful. We were surrounded by dogs and cats, and it was just perfectly clear to me that they made decisions, that they had choices, that that what looked like thinking was going on. 
So, uh, so my dad did not believe that animals could think, or at least thought it was yet to be proved. But he also, you know, was no great fan of human thinking either. He, he thought basically that we make our decisions emotionally and any sort of logic or rationality comes later as we try to defend the decision that we have made purely out of instinct and emotion. And, and on that one, I'm not sure I have such a quarrel with him. You spent a long time with this book. I did spend a long time with this book. In fact, I started thinking about this book 12 years ago, uh, and I wrote little bits of it from time to time. But during that 12 years that I frequently, if people asked me what I was working on, my answer would be this book, when in point of fact, I was also quite frequently putting it aside. I wrote two other completely different novels during that same 12-year period. So it's, you know, when people ask me how long it took me to write this book, it's actually a very tricky question. But I do know that the absolute beginning of the book, the moment the book began, was New Year's, uh, the millennium New Year's. So I can be pretty clear about where, when I started. I was having a conversation with my daughter and uh, telling her about, some science, some psychological experiments that this book is inspired by, and she's the one who said, "Write about the kid. Write about the kid in that experiment." You had you had the same argument in a sense. I I think that the character that I've created resembles me no more and no less than any other character I've created resembles me. But um, I do think the dad in the book resembles my father pretty much to a T. And um, so therefore, you know, again, I know what it's like to be the daughter of this man because I was the daughter of this man. I've been speaking with Karen Joy Fowler. Her new book is We Are All Completely Beside Ourselves. She'll be appearing at Bookshop Santa Cruz on May 29th at 7.30 p.m. Thank you for joining me, Karen. Thank you. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.